everyone, this is Ksenia Montan and welcome to another episode of People of Marketing podcast, where I talk to top marketers about the story of their careers, the choices, mistakes, wins and imperfections of their work life. My guest today is Kenny Gold. He's currently the director of social media at Gray for the North America region. Kenny, thank you so, so much for joining me today on People of Marketing podcast. Thanks for having me. Awesome. (laughs) I'm happy. I'm happy you you made time and I'm happy you, you joined. So, you know, the way I love to start this interview is by Uh, walking a bit through your career and trying to connect the dots by obviously looking backwards. So I'm curious, what would you say was your first interaction with marketing ever? What got you into marketing in the first place? So we can talk about my professional interaction with marketing, but but truthfully, uh, my marketing acumen started at a very, very young age. Um, My grandparents actually used to create products uh, for craft shows on the East Coast in the United States. And they would paint superheroes and cartoon characters and all of these um, different uh, cultural icons onto various household items for kids, whether it was a piggy bank or a light switch or a trash can. And they used to go to these craft shows and actually I would go with them and I would help sell the products at a really young age. And it was all about marketing. That was the beginning. It was how do you communicate the value and the benefit of the thing in front of you for the consumer? Uh, my, My mom was also a salesperson. She used to sell copiers for Xerox back in the, in the 70s and the 80s. And, you know, as, as a young up and coming uh, student, the conversation was always, how do you simply tell the story of the product in front of you and assume the sale, assume that uh, the person you're speaking to wants to learn about the product and make it relevant for them. Right. Uh, so, so, you know, my, in my DNA was this, uh, this component of, create something and talk about why it's important for the person in front of you. Now, professionally, my career is kind of an interesting uh, story arc where I actually started off in Washington, D.C. in the, in the political space. Yes. Um, you, so, studied, you studied political sciences, actually. Yeah. So I was a political science student at the George Washington University in Washington, D.C., right? You know, three or four blocks from the White House. And I, I thought I was going to be a career political professional, um, mostly in the communication space. So um, I worked for NBC News. I worked at Meet the Press with Tim Russert, which is one of the, still is the longest running news program in the country. Uh, but then transitioned. I worked on a few political campaigns. Uh, and I also, once I graduated, went into private sector political consulting and and political communications, uh, working for an agency of of uh, ex-Clinton administration officials and figuring out how to help brands and organizations navigate the political communication space 
uh, using marketing and, and strategic messaging. So a very interesting foundation for what later became a, a career in helping brands tell stories uh, to their constituency. I'm curious how you made this transition. Why, why did you transition from the political space into the brand marketing space? What prompted you into making this change in your life? I wish that I had <laughs> an answer. <laughs> a, a more elegant answer than the truth. Uh, but the truth is I was living in Washington, DC and I was dating someone who moved to New York and it got to the point where it was either I was moving to New York or that relationship was ending. And when I got to New York, I had to make a transition from what I love to do in the political space to something that was more sustainable in the, in the market that I was in. Um, so I'd like to say across the board, I made a very good bet because my girlfriend is now my wife and <laughs> Um, that transition into consumer marketing and advertising has helped take my career to the next level and really helped carve out uh, a big chunk of this industry, which wasn't there when I started. So uh, really nice to be a part of a movement that a lot of people that you probably talked to have been a part of, but it, it was about timing and luck and love, if you will. Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful story. I'm curious, what do you think was your advantage coming from the political space into the brand marketing agencies, brands world space? What do you think was something that you learned that really gave you like a competitive edge, let's say? Yeah, strategic messaging is the same in both industries. And at the end of the day, whether it's for a politician or a brand or an organization, you are telling a story to emotionally impact a constituency. So, you know, it is, it's the principles remain the same. So doing it in the, in the fast paced world of politics, I think the speed and the roll up your sleeves nature of the political world prepared me to come into this world and, and be ready to go. You know, it's funny, um, on a political campaign, you have to be willing to do everything. You have to be willing to do every job that's put in front of you because the scrappiness and the, and the speed could be the difference in winning a, a district or a state or, you know, something critical in an election. And it, with the speed of the social media space and the need to be nimble and scrappy, the, the two are not dissimilar. Um, so I think that was a competitive advantage where the campaign mentality overlaid on top of the consumer marketing space created a really nice uh, set of skills that helped me excel in this space. Yeah. And, you know, early on when you were still in the political space, um, did you have anyone that you were admiring in, in marketing and, and communications in that space? Or did you have a role model that you followed or you were getting advice and, and inspiration from? Well, uh, it's funny. My, my original inspiration was actually fictional. Um, mm. I was very into the West Wing. It was such an impressionable <laughs> time in my life. And the TV show 
really glorified that world. I was very lucky early in my career to get to work for some pretty incredible people who actually inspired some of the characters on that show. So Mike Feldman, Joe Lockhart, Dee Dee Myers, those, the, the people who were the political and communication gurus uh, in, in the 90s and in the early 2000s and still are today were huge inspirations for me. And I got, I walked into my first day of work and those are the people who are sitting there. It, it's pretty awe-inspiring. And although it's been many years since I worked for those individuals and in that space, um, I still love to follow what they do and, and try and learn from afar with what they've, uh, w- with what they've achieved. I think something that's really admirable is um, they work with purpose. They're also very entrepreneurial. Uh, so in addition to being wizards in, uh, in, in their individual disciplines, uh, that entrepreneurial spirit really set them apart. So those are three people, at least in the political communication space that I really looked up to um, early on in my career. Yeah. And talking about your early on career and your journey, we've all had this seemingly insignificant events at that time that went on to actually change our lives later on. What's, what's yours? It's a great question. Um, I, you know, I think when I first moved to New York, uh, the, the company that I was working with in D.C. was actually the company that I came to New York working for. They have a New York outpost. And uh, at the time, I was really looking to diversify my skill set. And I think, you know, I sort of took for granted the, the culture and the nature of that work environment. And I left to go to more of an up and coming social first agency. Um, and within two or three months of being there, I was let go. And it was because they had lost the client and they were with some layoffs and it was, um, and at the time I'm in my early twenties and I'm devastated. You yeah. know, where's my next paycheck coming from? What does this mean for my career? How does this help the narrative? Um, and I think looking back on it, it was, it was a massive moment in, in my career and it was a seminal moment because a, it taught me never to take any role for granted and really understand that, you know, as stressful as this industry can be, it's a privilege. And to really always be focused on what value you bring to the organization you are in uh, so that you are constantly that critical cog of what's happening in the organization. Um, so when I mentor, you know, up and coming advertising students, or I talk to members of my team, I always have that thought of don't be afraid to be let go because it will help you frame whatever comes next. And you'll rise out of that, you know, that moment and become even better and stronger. Um, so it was, I I would say that is, is definitely the moment. Right. So I wanted to also ask, I can imagine that the way the, the the vibe of work and the style of work and you know the general environment of work in in the agencies when you were in the political space and then when you moved to New York was very different. Um, so 
What was like the first thing that surprised you when you moved to, to work with agencies in New York? Was that something that stood out as being very different in the style of work? Oh, that is a good question. Um, <laughs> I was not used to people sort of just sitting around thinking, <laughs> um, which I, I found to be really awesome. Like watching a creative team sit and ideate was one of the cooler things that drew me to the industry. Um, I loved that component of it. And it's different. I think in, in the political space, it is, you know, you have to have some of that brainstorming components to deal with things on the fly, but there's a lot of, you write the strategic messaging, you write right. the press release, you do the outreach. Like it's a little bit more, it feels a little bit more calculated. Uh, in the creative space, it definitely is a little bit more free flowing. So instead of it being a straight line, uh, it's a little bit more of uh, random. But then I think with the rise of data and psychographics and understanding our consumers, we've actually as an industry gotten better about creating that straight line. So uh, they're really not dissimilar. Mm. Right. I think this is such a super insightful answer for people that are considering of making a switch from either of those worlds. Um, so yeah, thanks for sharing that. So let's talk a bit about you today. Tell us a bit about what you do as director of social at, at the Gray Group. Um, tell us, you know, paint a picture of a typical day in your work life today. What, like, what's the first thing you tackle when you get to the office? Yes, I try to add a little bit of structure uh, to the bookends of my day. So I tend to respond to emails between 9 and 10 okay. or between 6 and 8. Um, I like to use the middle of my day to walk around the office, connect with different team members, go visit the strategy department, go visit the account teams, go visit my creative partners, go to the production teams and just hear what's going on and understand uh, what briefs are live right. and where can we make the most impact. Here at Gray, uh, everything is about being famously effective. Um, it is all about how do we create work that lives at the center of culture and behavior. And in order to do that, we have to be on Twitter, seeing what's going on in the world, reading BuzzFeed, going on YouTube and TikTok, watching live streams on Twitch, understanding what is going on out in the world so that we can find those white spaces for our brands to live. And in a typical day, it could be a conversation with a creative director about the latest update to the map on Fortnite so that they can understand how to leverage that to come up with an idea for a brand all the way to discussing the rights for a YouTube creator with an account team member so that we can see how they're gonna help support an up and coming campaign. Um, so for me, it's about being accessible to the teams around me. And uh, you know, I don't do it alone. Yeah. I have an incredible, incredible team of brilliant content strategists and content creators who are far smarter than I am who are in the trenches every single day with the brands that we work with. Um, but the, the ethos for the team is to be accessible, to be a part of every brief, and to help make the work just a little bit better. Um, so that's really what a, a typical day looks like. Uh, we do a lot of brainstorming. We do a lot of content consumption. 
We do a lot of education. We do a lot of learning. Um, so those are some big components. We also spend a lot of time talking to our friends over each of the individual uh, social channels and talking to our representatives there so we can understand you know, shifts and how the platform uh, is living and breathing with each of the consumers. We might record a podcast just like this or with some <laughs> of our friends um, over which at has a really, which, which has a really cool name, right? The podcast. Yeah, so we have two <laughs> podcasts here at Gray. Uh, the first one is called Gray Matter. Yes, and this it one. Is a, <laughs> it is a podcast about ideas. And every episode, someone here at Gray interviews someone who created something. And it's the story of how they created that thing. Uh, it's really, really interesting stuff. And, and I urge people to give it a listen. The 100%. Other one is, the other one is called the five things podcast and we actually record that in partnership with social media week and that podcast highlights five key things that are happening in social media that week uh, we record it with toby daniels who is the founder of social media week and then we also try to create content with our friends over at betaworks studios which we are the exclusive creative partner of betaworks studios as well um so we are just trying to find ways to not only help create content for our clients, but also create content for the industry. Yeah. So talking about social media week, I know that you travel a lot. I think that's where we met in the first place. And you know, one curiosity that I have is what's the best place you've traveled for work? Oh boy. <laughs> Where's the best place I have traveled for work? Yes. Um, well, London is pretty spectacular. Uh, I had the chance to speak to a really engaged crowd at Social Media Week London, which was really, really special. Um, and that was awesome. I've gotten, I, you know, I've been all over the United States <laughs> and from remote, remote towns in, you know, Michigan to the heart of Los Angeles to Chicago, you name it. Um, so I would say London was really the, the best. Uh, yeah. Getting the chance to go abroad and, and not only enjoy London, but speak to a really engaged group of marketers uh, was, was pretty spectacular. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah. So going back a bit to your career, uh, looking at your profile, one one question that just pops up in my mind is, why do you think you chose this specific world of, of advertising and marketing, the agency world? Because that's where you spend most of your time, right? And have you ever considered uh, switching to the client side? <laughs> oh, um, I like making things. I, I like telling stories. I think it goes back to sort of my childhood and and where I was raised and, and what I learned how to do at a young age. Um, so that's why I chose this world. It worked for what my skill set really was. Like I, I can talk, I can think about product benefit. I can try and step into the shoes of the consumer that we're trying to reach. Um, I love the immediacy of it and how especially in the social space we create something and it goes out the world pretty quickly yeah um, so that instant gratification is kind of nice as well <laughs> um i think all the time about switching out into you know client sides one thing if i were to do that i would want to be somewhere that is aligned with the things that i'm passionate about 
but then again, you know, I grew up in New Jersey uh, on down in the Jersey shore and not like the TV show, but really in a small, in a small beach town uh, in South Jersey. And there are days where I look around and say, I just wish I was running the most epic ice cream truck on the planet or, you know, running an amazing deli or something like that. But, um, you know, I go back and forth. You, you, I think all that kind of stuff sounds nice in theory, but my, my personality thrives on the energy of the New York advertising scene. So I, I can't imagine, uh, really being anywhere else. Yeah. And you mentioned your specific skill set on, you know, that, that takes me to my next question of skills and habits and what were the ones that you struggled the most to develop. And if you have any current ones that you're, you're still trying to improve in yourself. So I'm never complete. I don't think <laughs> yeah, I will never, ever. Never perfect. I, I, I will never be perfect. I will never be complete. Frankly, I'm far from it. But um, <laughs> I think one of the biggest myths is that being a manager is easy. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, there are soft skills from based on your personality that allow for you to be successful. I think learning how to be a manager is a hard skill that people really need to take seriously. And, you know, there are people in, in my career who took the time and energy to help me grow uh, as a manager. And I think about people like uh, Dan Bennett, who is Gray's Worldwide Chief Innovation Officer, uh, Gemma Craven, who was my manager at McCann and helped lead the social team at McCann and, and has always been a good mentor for me. These are people who taught me to really lead with empathy and take into consideration, uh, you know, the human side of our business. So every single day when I come in, I try to draw from, from that mentorship and, and use that to help grow the team that's, that works with me. Um, so every day I just want to be a better manager, a better teammate, a better, uh, citizen of this agency, uh, and, and a better extension for our clients. Yeah. So something that I like to ask on this, on this podcast is, uh, a bit of a challenging question, I think, because we're so used to talk about the good parts of our, you know, careers of our lives. Um, you know, most of the times if you listen to interviews or if you listen to podcasts or, or read articles, it's, it's usually about the positive aspect and that's good. But sometimes I want to, you know, I want to show people that it, it's not <laughs> as easy as it looks from the outside and it's not as, as pink and as pretty as, as easy as it looks from, from the outside. So I want to talk about the roller coaster that is our work lives. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, and that's, that's how it is. As long as it's going upwards, that's what matters the most. So what would you consider the lowest point in your career? And did you ever doubt your, your skills or, or chances of making it in this industry? I doubt my skills all the time. <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think, I, that comes with, I think that comes with the industry, <laughs> to be honest. I think that, yeah, or just being human. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think we all look around and we wonder if we've developed enough, if we're talented enough, if we understand the industry or the consumer enough. 
Um, I think the lowest point in my career was probably, like I mentioned earlier, when I was let go from a role, you know, it was, yeah. um, I made a bet and moved to a new city and tried to try to take the next step forward. And, um, it didn't work, Yeah. but in retrospect, it did work. But, you know, I think, I think that really was the lowest point, uh, in, in my career. I can't really draw from a- any other piece there. I think when I get constructive feedback from team members, um, you battle the urge to take it personally and be like, <laughs> okay, they don't like me versus the flip side of it, which is thank God they're giving you this feedback because yes. you can grow from it. Yeah. Um, so I think learning to grow from constructive criticism, it, it was a big skill and one that has helped me navigate moments which could have been low points. What do, what do you wish you knew back then at that low point in your career? Like what advice would you give yourself you, if you were to you know, travel in time? Uh, being in charge doesn't mean being an asshole. Uh, <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> and uh, you know, advertising is, isn't a hospital, we're not saving lives. Um, so let's you know, chill. <laughs> let's just take a deep breath and enjoy the fact that we get to have fun like this for a living. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful advice. I think that's something, you know, we need to take to ourselves um, in this industry for sure. Um, Okay. So something else that I wanted to ask that it's also a bit, uh, a bit challenging is, you know, this, this industry of ours is so full of, of, of buzzwords, to be honest, it feels like it's, the, the fullest of all industries of buzzwords. So what's like one buzzword that is trending today that is really annoying to you or that you disagree with or you think is just hugely, massively overrated? Yes, nimble. I hate the word <laughs> nimble. I probably even use it in this podcast subconsciously. Um, I think that nimble is used as a crutch hmm. and that there's a difference between being thoughtful and effective with speed and just putting something up for the sake of putting it up. So mm-hmm. personally, I think we need to def- better define the word nimble. And I-, I think sometimes it's used as a way to get us to just deliver stuff to clients quicker. Yeah. And that is done as, at a, disser- as a disservice to the agency and the client. Uh, so my next question before we wrap up is, tell me a bit about what company do you think is doing really great marketing today and why do you think so? Do you have like a few a few brands that you admire and follow and think they're doing an excellent job in, in marketing and branding? Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I love the work being done by Gillette. Mm. Uh, I think it's really... Uh, it's purpose-driven. I like that they are adapting a tagline and an ethos that has served them for decades and are adapting to what is happening in culture now um, and really understanding their consumers, whether it's the development of a razor for caregivers uh, to use when they are helping to make someone who can't shave themselves feel that like they're at their best or whether it's talking about um, you know a someone who is transgender having their first shave experience or really identifying what being being the best you can be means today uh, is really unbelievable stuff and i think that the emotional quality of the work and 
the human truth that lies at the heart of it's really nice. Um, I love the work that's being done for Volvo. Uh, I think that it, it's, you know, leaning into the concept of safety and sustainability uh, at the quality and, and the luxurious that is Volvo is really unbelievable as well. Um, so I really enjoy that work, but really just understanding the craveability of the product and, and the brand love that exists out in the world and, and being able to capitalize on that is uh, something pretty special. Amazing. Good. So the way I love to end this interview is with um, a rapid fire session. Uh, quick questions, uh, quick answers, a few words. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> Good. So um, if you wouldn't be doing what you're doing today, what else would you do? A talent agent. A talent agent. Wow. Okay. Yes. Good. Good. Um, worst advice you've ever received? Stay late and you'll get ahead. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, favorite social media network? Instagram. Instagram. Good. And what's your favorite app or tool that you use at work? Text messaging. Text messaging. That's unusual. <laughs> like text messages. <laughs> it's the easiest way to get in touch with me. It's the easiest way for me to respond in real time. And I'm always looking at it. It does the job, right? So that's the most important it thing. It does the job. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Kenny, this was such a great conversation. Thank you so much for just taking the time to chat with me and, and share your story to our audience. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for the time. Awesome. And thank you everyone who joined in and let's keep in touch till next time.